Honestly, one of the funniest things, if you want to get featured fast, this is your guys' pro tip, send me anything with a giant circle in it. My followers love anything with a giant circle. Other than that, really, it's following seasonality of trends. If it's skinny season, yes, I want anything skinny. If it's wintertime, we're going to go a little bit darker, a little bit moodier. Try and stay within seasonality. We also try and filter through different themes. You know, our people really love arrangements, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a place for wearables or a tablescape. You know, those things really excite people as well. We love collaborations. It's really just about what's fresh and sometimes what's different. Like I have so many screenshots of things that I've had for months and I'm just waiting for the right moment when things align that I'm like, have this and it's going to be great. (laughs) Welcome to season two of the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with artists and industry leaders from around the world. Our goal is to share knowledge, connect our community and elevate the artistry of our craft. Hi, I'm Jesse Chu. Hello, I am Quinn Wynn, and we are the founders of the Paper Florist Collective. Hi, everybody. Today, we're talking about how to get yourself featured in a magazine. That's print magazine or digital magazine or blog. Personally, we have to say it's a great way to get exposure to the right community, to your customers, to your collaborators. And there's, to me anyways, there's still a sense of legitimacy. Like, you know, hey, you've made it. You've finally gotten yourself on this well-known magazine everyone's going to read all about you. You can share your paper flowers with everybody. And, but we're not experts in this, right? So to talk about this, we brought in Tanali Gruder and Tanali is a marketing expert and a flower farmer. And through her work at the Florist Review, she's been able to fuse her passion for flowers with business. So welcome to our podcast. Welcome. Excited to have you here and chat with us about your expertise, really, and your love for flowers. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. I know that I love all forms of art. So when I heard about you guys as paper florists and your community, I was like instantly smitten. Yay. And it's so wonderful to see you again. I can't believe I just saw you in January. And so much has changed since then. <laughs> Where did you meet Tonali Quinn? So I met her in Santa Barbara at Flora Abundance earlier this year. And this is where I met her as a florist review. She was coming in to write a story about Flora Abundance and their huge conference. And this is the conference I went last year. And it was so amazing to meet all these amazing fresh florists there. And I met Holly Chapel, Gomi, Alicia was there, of course and so many amazing Seattle florists. So Tonali is actually from Woodby Island, Washington, which is like maybe a 30-minute ferry ride from Seattle. Yeah, we're, we're very close in proximity. So we're just a hop and a skip away from Seattle where I have my flower farm. And it was funny because there was a lot of Washington State represented in Santa Barbara at yeah. Abundance Design Day. So that was a bit of a surprise, you know? Like, oh, we all could have hopped on the same bus. I know, right? (laughs) It was so fun. It was really great because, you know, surprisingly, even though we all live in this King County area, we don't get to see each other as much. And it's so great to like meet at a conference and be talking about flowers day in and day out. So amazing. But let's talk about your print magazine and also digital because they do both. Mm -hmm. What is your role? Yeah, so I kind of act as the digital voice to a lot of people of Florist Review Magazine. I curate their Instagram, among other things. I also help our advertisers connect with florists for sponsored shoots, things of that nature. Really, I kind of act as their marketing liaison. In the Florist Review, that is a magazine for florists? Yeah, yeah. So Florist Review is, we're celebrating our 123rd birthday this year. Yay, wow. Yeah, that's it's, amazing. It's crazy. It's come a long ways. You know, originally we were a magazine oriented for people who owned flower shops. 
over a hundred years ago, the world is a different place. And now the cool thing is some of our subscribers are third and fourth generation florist review subscribers, where it's this very common flower shops will pass on the business generation to generation. But through that, we've also modernized a lot. So when we say we're 123 years old, by no means does that mean that we are um, behind the times. In the Mm. last year, we switched a free online model so anybody who's like what is florist review i don't know about this like we have good news you can go on you can use the <laughs> link that's up on our instagram at florist underscore review um click the link in there and that'll take you to our free latest issue we also do have a paid subscription that you can pay for that will get you access to extra resources but also our printed bookazines um, we also print books so this is an example of our latest book release right now this is the slow flowers journal by Deborah Prinzing. So that's a new book that's just come out. We have a whole library on there that you can get through Amazon as well. So pretty exciting. We also have Canadian florists, since I know we've got a Canadian here. (laughs) (laughs) Very Sir to Florist Review is Canadian Florist Magazine. Again, it's a very old publication, but we cater specifically to that Canadian voice and style of floristry. For those who are not in the direct world of fresh flowers per se, it can come as a shock to some, but some of the biggest superstars in the flower world are actually based out of Canada. Above me alone, we have Donald oh, Kim, who is absolutely incredible in Vancouver. We have Hitomi Gilliam. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. She's a powerhouse. So. She is. I think yeah, everybody love, knows her. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. It's she hard is. to not love her. And that's something where um, when people are asking for resources, things that they yeah. should subscribe to, even a paper florist, it's like subscribe to Hitomi Gilliam. She has so many mechanics teaching how to make vessels and forms. You need mm-hmm. it. I know. <laughs> and she has this it. amazing YouTube channel now that you can <laughs> take a glimpse into her mechanics, which I highly recommend to everyone. We'll post a link in our podcast show notes yeah. for you guys, but you need to follow her because yeah. I feel like I learned most of my mechanics through her yeah and she does so much free resources online Mm -hmm. and we also do a lot of that so i encourage people to go onto our youtube channel we have some videos that are they're pretty funny i'm not gonna lie they're over (laughs) early adopters of youtube so if you're looking for free resources if you're not at that place where you can afford to go to floral conferences or you're not sure that that's the realm you want to be in there's so many wonderful online resources out there and i would definitely include those too i love that so great so if one of our paper floors wanted to get featured or get mentioned in florist review what would be the process or how would they get noticed so you would notice them yeah so there's a couple different ways that you can do it specifically for me i work a lot in the realm of social media something that we're always talking about florist review is how do we stay fresh? How do we stay inclusive? Mm -hmm. And one way that we do that is by diversifying the way that we find our sources. So if you want to be in our print magazine or digital magazine specifically, I always tell people, you know, use our online form system. You can go onto our website and it's really simple. You can just reach out and say, hey, I want to submit. We're really approachable. We're real people. We're not like some (laughs) big veiled castle by any means. And we appreciate beauty. And that's really what we're here for. Another great way to do it is specifically with our Instagram. You can either tag Floris Review. You can use the hashtag Floris Review. Or don't be afraid to just message me directly and say, hey, I have something I'm working on. I'm really excited about. I want to get in. There's always other factors with Instagram. You know, maybe my feed is all red right now or I'm focused on installations, whatever it may be that you don't get featured right away. Or sometimes I'll even be honest and say, you know what? I like what you're doing. Keep sending me work. And that's not me saying no. That's me saying like, I want to stay in a conversation with you and I want to keep seeing what you're working on. Maybe it's not ready right now, Mm -hmm. um, but it will be. So then what do you specifically look for when somebody does approach you? 
does it depend on the season? Does it depend on the current, for example, you were saying installation. So current yep. projects that you're working on or trends? Honestly, one of the funniest things, if you want to get featured fast, this is your guys' pro tip. That could be anything with a giant circle in it. My followers love anything with a giant circle. It's hilarious. Oh, I got one for you. <laughs> Other than that, really, it's following seasonality of trends. If it's peony season, yes, I want anything peony. If it's winter time, we're going to go a little bit darker, a little bit moodier. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try and stay within seasonality. We also try and filter through different themes. You know, our people really love arrangements, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a place for wearables or a tablescape. You know, those things really mm-hmm. excite people as well. Yeah. We love collaboration. It's really just about what's fresh and sometimes what's different. Like I have so many screenshots of things that I've had for months and I'm just waiting for the right moment when things align that I'm like, have this and it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's just the floodgates have been open for creative minds to really share their work. And social media is a really real way of doing that mm-hmm. yeah. um, because we have, we're almost up to 50,000 followers and the demographic breakdown of that really is strong event managers and florists. It's not, you know, just a bunch of random people. It's a very specific, highly engaged following, which Mm -hmm. is important. And through that, we're able to really make sure that your work is getting seen by the right people. And also if it catches fire, let's say your hashtag tiny bouquet that was something that lit up a couple years ago that it's important people get credit where credit's due that's like hey this is who tiny bouquet was started by maybe we I like love that mm-hmm. yeah. in terms of you know why somebody might want to be featured in florist review we talked we talked about the fact that the florist review was mainly for florists inspirations fresh flowers our paper florists obviously were you know our angle is always well yes you can collaborate you know you can use our paper flowers for flowers that are off season or for like you said delicate flowers like pansies that don't have really long stems or poppies that are really delicate i mean that's the angle we're coming from but from the perspective of your followers who read florist review who might not really have heard of our community how would that reception be i mean do you consider that in terms of when you do approve or not approve of somebody like us like me or when approaching you about doing a feature yeah for us it's really about appreciating the floral form above all else that's what we are about is celebrating flowers everything that flowers can be that could be an illustration of a flower even the idea of a flower of course our base is traditional florist but i think many florists are only just now warming up to this idea that paper florists exist you guys are still a really new community to our world Yes. But yeah. we are really familiar with permanent flowers, you know, silk flowers, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's a lot of times when we work that stuff in either as rentals or as something that people can buy. Right. And there is a certain customer, I think, who's not comfortable with the carbon footprint long term of that. And mm-hmm. how great is it to be able to suggest here's this handmade, very real artistic process happening right here that will not last for a bazillion years in the landfill. Yes. (laughs) People really love that. And I think that that's a narrative that is going to be well-received by anyone. Laura's not excluded from that. So it's just about, I suppose, waking people up to the idea that there is this new product out there for them. Mm-hmm. And it's a really deeply personal, deeply special product. Yeah. I think that of course that's going to resonate with florists. Yes. I think that's one of our goals as the Paper Florist Collective is to share this love that we have for paper flowers and to spread it around the world. I mean, it's really amazing that we have paper florists pretty much around the world. They are digging in grassroots, shouting out that we are paper florists, creating beautiful art pieces that you can make for your special events, for your homes. and. 
I just love that we can spread this word with a broader audience, especially in the floral world. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that's picking up. You know, Kun and I, we're trying to do our part by yes. spreading the word, by contacting as many florists as possible, yes. uh, by being on as many, you know, blogs or podcasts as possible to spread the word uh, about our community and to share it as to kind of give other industries a new perspective of what our art can be and the possibilities because Mm -hmm. a lot of people do look at it as oh it's something that people just make but they don't they don't think about the fact that it could be incorporated in different ways um, and it can help them like it can benefit them right in different ways there's the one thing that of course never wants to do is say no to a client especially that headstrong client who's like maybe we're talking sympathy flowers perhaps you know something that is a deeply emotional, deeply sentimental part of our business. Mm -hmm. Grandma loved magnolias. And I always pictured she would have magnolias. Let's say that that's our narrative Mm. here. Yeah. But it's not magnolia season. That's (laughs) where your paper florist comes in and helps people to realize that beautiful thing. Exactly. That's so deeply special. You know, it could take form in many, many places, whether it be something that you want for a forever memento, things like iris that have a high water content to them. And you cannot dry, but the bride has that in her mind that she's going to have her dry bouquet. It doesn't always work out, but here, let me show you something even more amazing. It's not instead of, it's an enhancement. So it's not like you can't have a flower so subtle for this. It's like that flower is beautiful. Let me Mm -hmm. show you something that will help you to forever appreciate that flower. That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. And I think one really interesting way paper florists can come in is sometimes the iris can be so big and then we can actually make it smaller and make it more easy to incorporate into a floral bouquet where the bride... Yeah, stems instead of going like this and go... Yes. Yes. And face you and say, hi, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's so easy because all the whole world. I know all our flowers are wired. So it's easy to torque it to the left or right mm-hmm. or to bend it way down in a very unnatural way. But it, it still looks amazing because it fits in that particular arrangement. Yeah. 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 And I mean, for us who go to floral conventions, you've sat in on them, Quinn. I yes. know. To see how much of our conversation is okay, we have an amaryllis. Now look at this giant stock. How are we going to make it so it'll do what we tell it to? Exactly. And you're like, I don't have that problem. I don't, I don't have that problem at all. <laughs> that problem is solved. Exactly. And then peonies, of course, peonies is always a hot topic yeah. because they're such a short season and brides mm-hmm. love them so much because they are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you just, sometimes you want them in December and it's like, well, dip it in from Alaska, <laughs> yeah. but it's going to be so expensive. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And the thing is, you know, they're so fragile. You never know it's going to bloom the right seed. Yeah. For that particular event, really shatter or something like. Yes, I've heard flor- a lot of florists complain about that. You, there's, you know, they get the box, they open them, and then half of them are shattered, and you can't even yes. control that. Versus, really, with paper florists, if you tell us what color you want it, what we can you want create, it at, yeah, or stage you want it at, or what size, we can we can create that. You know, yeah, and you think about those moments where you have an order and you really tried your hardest to get real peonies. You order them, it didn't work out. They got shipped there. Wouldn't it be great in your back room to have some beautiful paper flowers? Yeah. You're like, don't worry. I got you. Exactly. I got you like that. We are, we are cool. You were already paying for a premium flower. I have something just as premium as you deserve. Yeah. And oh, another thing is I know you grow a lot of dahlias and we're so lucky to be living in this area because dahlias are local and they will work in events. But when you live like in Arizona and you have to ship them in, they're very finicky. Yeah. Yeah. The the stems can be very difficult on dahlias. I mean, 
I think if there were to be a flower iconic of the last decade, when I close my my eyes and I think of, you know, a 2010's wedding, it has the Cafe Olay, yes. um, dusty pink, giant yeah. dahlia in it. That yeah. is the flower of the last decade. Yep. No one can argue that with me. And the thing with that is, is while dahlias are prolific and they're not so hard to grow, they sometimes bruise, especially light colors. The yeah. stems can break. They don't always want to look up you tell them I know so many florists who just like cringe when they're like no she wants cafe au lait <laughs> so and, and as a dahlia grower it's, it's my job to say yes you do you do want that. <laughs> like absolutely <laughs> that's the flower you need yeah. lots of buckets and buckets <laughs> what do you think will be the flower for the next decade? Ooh, that's a really fun question. Yeah, I think in the next decade, I think peonies are going to continue to be on the rise. I think people are just moving to what is local and what is seasonal. I think this decade especially is going to lean yeah. harder into dried tropicals. I think mm-hmm. are going to continue to be a really, really big trend where people are looking to reduce waste. Mm-hmm. They're looking for things that can last longer and be value conscious but also feel special feel exotic feel like a luxury you know oh paper floors people this is your decade (laughs) (laughs) no i think it's definitely there because people we would be foolish to not say that people are going to become more cost conscious but at the same time in this decade of who knows how long we're going to be working from home by and large your workspace yeah. and your mental well-being is really, really important. And I don't have to tell you guys, flowers make people happy. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's good for your mental health and yeah. sending flowers makes people happy. You know, gone are the days that you could only send like some stiff mums that look, you know, like you, like you had them delivered. Those yeah. days are gone. <laughs> and it's a good oh, feeling to know that there's this huge variety out there. I mean, for Mother's Day this last year, I used a service through Holly Chapel, who you guys have featured, mm-hmm. yeah. called um, My Poppy. It's based out of the Washington, D.C. area. And what they do is they deliver kits of flower arrangement supplies. And I look at that and I'm like, how cool would it be to have flowers that were paper flowers and something like that, where it's yeah. ready to go, mm-hmm. supplemented with real flowers. And what I always say is when people DIY something, especially non-florists or non-floral artists, mm-hmm. the first thing that they do is they say, gosh, that was hard. And <laughs> that's appreciate my florist. <laughs> like, I have all the same supplies, but this does not look like the picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes that them like so love true. it even more. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's so special. I wish you guys can see that we're in Zoom right now, so we can actually see each other face. But right behind Tanali is a beautiful bucket of flowers. Those are flowers mm-hmm. that you grow in your farm. Yeah, yeah. So back here, I've got I have antique roses. I love antique roses. This actually might make you smile a little bit, Quinn, as a Seattleer. And probably in Toronto as well, anybody who lives in large cities can relate to this idea that many small houses are being developed and turned Mm -hmm. into mass housing, which is important. It's important for sustainability. But with that goes the landscaping. So one thing that I spend some time doing is when I go in Seattle and I see demolition notices, Mm -hmm. I put a note in their (laughs) mailbox asking if I can dig up the flowers. (laughs) (laughs) But it's something that is where a lot of my flowers have come from. So this rose here is, um, it's a bright yellow rose for those of you who are listening. And it smells like that antique rich rose smell that you just don't get anymore. Oh and I rescued that from a house that was being demolished. That and that so feels cool. great. And that helps in my business. You know, I was able to yeah. buy a rose plant that was maybe 50 years old, ready to yeah. bloom mm-hmm. instead yeah. of the client that I'd normally be working with as a farmer. Oh my gosh, that's 
amazing. Yeah. I love it yeah. so much. <laughs> Tell us more about your farm. And you wear so many different hats. Yeah. It's really amazing. Besides being, you know, a writer, a director of marketing, your own company, a farmer. What else do you do? So many things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, we all do a lot of things. Like yes. each and every one of you, I guarantee when you go through your day, you're doing a lot and you need to give yourself a pat on the back for it. Maybe the thing that's disconnected there is marketing. It's all about how are you connecting with what you're doing Mm -hmm. and um, how are you putting it out there to the world? Because whatever your passion is, whether it be, I don't know, taking your kids to even soccer and you're taking everybody in the carpool, there's a way that you can turn that into something. Literally anything that you do and you're passionate about, you can Mm -hmm. turn into something. For me, I live on a remote farm in a historic preserve Mm -hmm. on a place called Whitby Island, Washington. Pretty cute. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a special place. You get whales in the front yard, so oh my I can't complain. I yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. But I think for us, we looked at it and we said this is a really special place. It's a mm-hmm. destination. Is there a way that we could help make it not so hard to pay the rent or not so hard to pay the mortgage? Is there a way that we could make it so that people respect this community as an agricultural community, not just a vacation, but mm-hmm. a vacation with a purpose? So for us, we leaned really hard into agrotourism and farm experiences. So we make our own sea salt, which I can show you guys here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what we do is we actually host classes where people can come out and learn how to make fresh sea salt. Things that are really important human skills that people are disconnected with now and maybe they don't know. When it's farm season for us, we do dahlia planting classes, which might seem like everybody knows how to plant a flower, but there's so many people who they're not sure about that yeah and we help them with it yeah you know we teach people how to do flower installations all kinds of different things really that is so cool make edible flower confetti Mm -hmm. that bakers use it's just about you know I think that product in particular speaks a lot to closing your waste streams where it's like maybe as Mm -hmm. paper florists you guys are like we have all these trimmings okay Mm -hmm. maybe you should turn that into some cool confetti and you can profitize Mm -hmm. that as a piece of what would have been your waste stream. That's our flower farmer equivalent of that is I have to cut the flowers to get more flowers. That was all going into my compost. Now I take the pretty part, I dry it, Mm -hmm. separated by what's edible. And that turns into a second income stream. Yeah, I'm actually taking my trimmings and making paper out of it. And then using that as my thank you card. So that's something that I'm working on right now. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the kind of moments we can all look at in our lives and say, hey, like I have this, Thing. Like, what can yeah. I turn it into? It might take you a while to think of what that next step is. Yeah. But, you know, it's about reducing weight. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love how, well, we were talking to, <laughs> and I, in some of our other podcasts, we talked to other branding and marketing experts. And I love the fact that as you're telling me the story, I'm going back to it. And I'm like, she's got a really strong brand identity. Like, she knows what her business is about. It's Salty Acres, right? Yeah, we're called Salty Acres. Yeah. yeah. What was the inspiration behind the name? Yeah. So, you know, I actually crowdsourced my name. Oh, my that. gosh. I love that. I work traditionally Madison Avenue, New York marketing agency. Um, that's where my roots are from. And there's never a time in that world where you do something without thinking through an idea and testing it because you can think you have a great idea and turn out that it was not great. Just recently, I was helping a client. And they thought they had the greatest name for their new agency. And I was doing an audit on it. Look through, look through. I was like, I love this name too. It feels so right. It's hip. It's great. And then I get to page three or four on Google and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a neo-Nazi blog with this name. <gasps> name is dead. Do not use name. No. Yes. Do not proceed forward. <laughs> yeah. You don't want somebody later, even though they had the best of intentions. Yep. 
to come out and say, oh, it was a reference to yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's not. They were yeah. well-intentioned. They had awareness for it, but it's really important to look forward. So for us, when we were naming Salty Acres, we looked to nature. We looked to the history of our land. We came up with some historic names, some cutesy names, some really just plain names, put it out to a vote. And everybody overwhelmingly said, we love Salty Acres. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing was because we had put that out to our community already, yeah. it meant we instantly we had a following who right. felt invested in us. Exactly. Instantly was supporting us because they're like, we have we have a plank in the floorboards of this business. Like we yes. have a piece of this. Yes. I have helped them name it. That's yeah. special. It is yeah. so special. It is such amazing. a loyal customer following for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We are very lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we struggle to keep up even still with COVID. So it's a good feeling. Oh, yeah. Sure. How's your workshops? Are you still doing them? I mean, what phase are you in right now? So we're technically in phase three here in Island County, which means basically pretty much everything is open for us. Culturally here on the island, we have a lot of retired folks and a lot of U.S. military service members. People try to be very courteous. I'd say by and large, people are still social distancing, still wearing masks, really just doing what they can to show their neighbors that, you know, they support them, they love them and they want to protect them. That's so, so wonderful. That's been really helpful for our classes. Mm-hmm. We also have a lot of people who maybe their plans had been to go to Provence and go harvest lavender. And yeah. that's not going to happen for them this year. So we've gone out of our way to scale down our workshops. We've taken mm-hmm. a bit of a hit on our pricing. I can't lie when you don't have 20 people in a workshop, but we open it up to at least online a one-on-one class so that people know that we're social distancing. We ask them to please wear a mask when they Mm -hmm. arrive. And then we do have some people say, hey, can my husband come or can my children come with me? And then we accommodate that on a base-by-base level because when you live in a tourist destination, you really need to take on that extra responsibility Mm -hmm. or the risk that people could be putting each other at. We know we're doing the right thing, but we need to kind of help act as a buffer. So true. Mm-hmm. It's such a different way of conducting business now, you know, having to kind of rethink or like double check everything. Do we have this? Do we yeah. have these rules in place? And I think at the beginning of this, this pandemic, people just still felt a little bit unsure of how to act mm-hmm. with each other. Kind of like, oh, if I ask them to do this, would that seem rude? But I mean, it's been three months. I mean, at this point, everyone's just, you know, you know what the rules are, you know what, you know, it's, it's not personal. <laughs> it's nothing is personal. It's just like you said, to protect everyone, not just like one person or, or two people or, you know, whatever that number might be. But yeah, no, it's so interesting hearing about your farm because when I looked at your bio, and you were wearing so many hats. And I wanted to tell you, when in your bio, when you said that you worked for was it gaming? Nintendo. Nintendo, Yeah, right? I've done a lot of work. Yeah, with Nintendo and you're... Yeah. And you went to E3. I was going to say my husband used to go to the E3 conference every year in Los Angeles. And he would tell me about like gamers and how big this conference was. And he's mm-hmm. like, that, it's just going to continue to grow. And I'm like, really? Like that Nintendo? Wasn't that something like from 20 years ago when we were like sitting in our basement playing? Nintendo Switch. Who has yeah. <laughs> but then Nintendo Switch. But then like he was like, no, but the marketing is amazing. They're trying yeah. to hit everyone. This nostalgia. Yeah. Nostalgia of people in, you know, who grew up in the 80s and 90s. Now they have mm-hmm. money, right? Now they're the ones who are consuming. So now they're like going yeah. back to all this Nintendo Switch and all those old games. And that's why, even though, you know, we have a recession, the gaming industry is still doing amazing because of how they're marketing and, and their target market, right? They know exactly who their avatar yeah. is. It's about community. It's about inclusivity. You know, it's about making people feel good. Those times when you can't have an escape, everybody still deserves it, whether that be through flowers 
or through running through Hyrule in The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's the same end game at the end of the day. It's good for your mental health. Really, yeah. It's funny when people ask me about it. You know, there's people who know me from usually just one world or the other. And they mm-hmm. find it very shocking to find that I tread in both places. But, you know, yeah. I work for a lot of high tech clients and I deeply love that is a huge part of my identity, but I also work for a lot of really the opposite, you know, organic farmers, farming guilds and coalitions. Yeah. Like, where does that join together? Like, how does that work? And it totally makes sense to me. I mean, I think we bonded over that in Santa Barbara with your gaming and the flowers. It was so much fun yeah. talking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just really about, you know, I think these things, whether you be a sports fanatic or whatever, it's just feeling like you belong to something. Mm-hmm. is really the thing that we can all tap into yeah. and finding those places where you can draw lines. So for you as a paper florist, maybe trying to ask yourself right now, I'm connecting with other paper florists or I'm connecting with people who are customers of paper florists, but how can I draw those lines and say, Hey, ceramics people, like mm-hmm. we're in the same family. Yeah. Like, hey, event people, we're in the same family. Like yeah. we're excited about the same thing. Yep, yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah, yeah, such an interesting way of thinking about your your business in a way Mm -hmm. that is you're looking outside more than you're looking in. Mm -hmm. So that's thanks for that. And I even see Farming World connecting with paper floors because we love creating art pieces from the root part to like growing it to the bud, to the full stage, to also the dying part of it. It's so unique what we can do and replicate and and get inspired by. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why Quinn and I love Love looking into the florist community, not just because of the flowers, but also because so many parts of that industry kind of can speak to us about as we're crafting, as we're making things, as we're making connections within our own community, seeing seeing our community kind of as a reflection of what could be. I mean, the florist industry has been around for, you know more than 100 years, right? And I'm saying this because I'm trying to figure out, I'm like 2020, oh my gosh. (laughs) But I mean, our industry is so new. So I really think that even looking at the Florist Review, where, you know, maybe one day the paper florist will have a digital magazine, will have a community that's strong enough to really want to invest in themselves on a daily, you know, monthly basis. But seeing that possibility, that reflection, I think we could learn a lot from the florist. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, it's it's your guys' time right now with the fact that anything that can be delivered is very popular at the moment. Anything that's a subscription service is going to continue to be popular at the moment. Mm -hmm. Anything that can be scalable is popular at the moment. I look at it and I'm like, how cool would it be if, let's say, like my marketing brain I'm jamming on is like, I want to get my mom something special, but maybe I have lost my job right now and I don't have a lot of money at the moment. But what if I paid for by the end of the year, she has a huge floral arrangement of paper flowers, you know, and each month she gets another asset to add to it that maybe speaking to that time of the year and that seasonality. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the year, it forms into this cohesive vision. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And for the people who need hobbies and positive outlets in their life. What you guys do with Cozy Box, for instance, I think is just great. I know I had a friend who was struggling at the beginning of this pandemic and I bought the Cozy Box for her. And she's like, this is so hard. I hate you, but I have to finish it. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I just, I loved being able to send that to her and, you know, it gave her something that she had that she could post about that she didn't feel was petty, that she felt was a good outlet. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that's something amazing because really you guys are making something real. Paper flowers are real too. Yeah. yeah. 
Thank yeah. you so much. We really appreciate yeah. your support and everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and I hope that as your readers are listening to this, that they will also follow, you know, as we're saying, you know, to go ahead and start tagging us. Don't be afraid. Like Florist Review is excited about paper flowers too. If you're doing collaborations, if you feel wild in your flowers, I want to see that. Sally, it was such a pleasure talking to you today. And it's so great to see your face and your flowers. Yeah. We're so excited to shout out to Floris Review about you, Salty Acres. And there's so many amazing things about you that we're so excited to like share with our audience. And if you guys have any questions, please let us know. And you need to come to the blog site because we asked her a whole bunch of really fun questions and you need to read her answer. Mm -hmm. They are so eye-opening and so really educational and also interesting to read. And thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And, you know, I hope that as things get a little safer and more open, that we'll be able to host you up on the farm someday. I would love that soon. Yes. We would love to see it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank you guys. Oh no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time and giving us a different perspective. Yes. I think that's always very helpful for us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you guys can do it. That's all I have to say. It's like you're growing. You can do this. This is definitely a decade. (laughs) Awesome. Yay. Yay.